Welcome to C-Talk, a podcast about pedagogy sponsored by the Council for Excellence in Teaching and Learning at Illinois Wesleyan University. I'm your host, Kate Brown, and in this episode, I'm joined by Deborah Halperin, Director of the Action Research Center, to talk about the intersections between civic engagement and pedagogy. Hello, Deborah. Good afternoon. Hi, Kate. I'm so glad to have you here today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I think the Action Research Center is a mainstay of campus. You've moved here in the library with me, so it's nice to be a building mate with you. But for those of you who are unfamiliar um, with the Action Research Center, can you tell us a little bit, bit about the ARC? Yeah, so the Action Research Center actually um, started 15 years ago, or that's how long I have been on campus. Uh, Jim, anniversary. Yeah, I know, 15 years. Um, it's crazy. Uh, Jim Simeone and Jim Sikora actually laid the groundwork for the Action Research Center um, a couple years before I came on, right? And the idea was how to create more bridges for campus and community to work together in partnership, right? And what are the uh, project-based learning opportunities, some of the experiential learning, so um, and all the value that that can bring to a course. And it was started in sociology and political science for Jim and Jim, um, their academic homes, but it has grown. And I'm really delighted to see how many different disciplines want to um, try on some experiential learning with their courses and see how it integrates with learning objectives, see how students, um, what they can do out in the community as it relates to course objectives. It's been um, a process of, we all say it, but building the car while we drive it, of course, but that's kind of ARC's model actually. So <laughs> it's not just a phase for us, it's the way <laughs> we do all the things. So we're still building the car while we're driving it because we learn new things all the time. I think that's a, a real, no, it's a good model to follow for project-based learning. I mean, part of it is the unknown and the unexpected, and you can't know how a project is going to turn out. You can have an idea for it. You can have a structure and a framework, but how that's actually going to function, who knows? That's, that's very in the moment. Sometimes that's the real learning for a lot of students, right? That you can't always backwards design everything you want to do. That if you say, you know, I want to reach point B, so I'm going to start at point A and map out all the steps that I imagine will get me to point B. And I don't know a plan in my entire life, personally or professionally, that's ever gone quite that way. So I, I think, um, and students don't always want to hear that, but um, I think that's part of the learning, right? Is you can, you can plan, um, but plans don't always go to plan. So how do you adapt? How do you succeed in a dynamic environment? How do you determine what you can control and what you can't control and how you weave these things together? How do you define and redefine success along the way? Sometimes uh, that alone can be a very enlightening experience for students. That's great. And I don't know that I know the answer to this or that there is one. Maybe they are interchangeable terms, but what is the difference between project-based learning and experiential learning? That's a that's a great question. Um, and I have kind of, uh, for me, all type of learning lives on a continuum. And for the work that ARC does, it's, it's all kind of mixed in. So 
you know, a lot of what we can do is customize learning experiences. So anything that's along that continuum, we can match to learning objectives with individual students, groups of students, entire courses. Um, maybe it's each individual student in a class is doing five hours a week of, well, that would be a lot, two hours a week maybe of volunteer service, or maybe it's the entire class together defines a goal that they want to achieve and we break up each individual's responsibility that rolls up towards that collective goal. So I think everything we design is a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And it depends on how unwieldy we're willing to let it be. <laughs> and, you know, how, um, you know, some of the logistics and very practical things as well. And what are the students prepared for? You know, what are we hoping that they learn? And also what the community, uh, how we intersect with the community, right? So um, our community partner, what, what makes sense for their learning objectives as well, right? We are not just, um, let us come out and learn from you. Thank you very much, goodbye. The way we like to design things is to say, what are the goals of this course? What are the goals of the nonprofit agency or a different organization or this coalition or this block group? You know, What are the goals of our partner? And how do we incorporate that into the design of the project? Because at the end, we should both be giving, we should both be getting. And ultimately, if we can figure out how one plus one equals three, that's really, right? We can do more together than we can separately. And that's kind of our goal. So I, I don't know, definitions, yeah. Um, needs them. Maybe we just don't. We don't need them. Building the car it. while we're driving. We don't need well, maybe I'm thinking of, maybe it was a selfish reason for my asking because I'm, I'm sort of confused. You know, when I think of experiential, I think of experiences, which then is like, everything's an experience. You know, the reading right. I do in a classroom is just as experiential in some ways as, you know, going to plant trees with the Parkland Foundation. Sure. Um, so th thinking about that in a learning context, I think it's so broad that it's hard to pin down, but I wonder if a useful way to think about it is, you know, your experiential learning is getting out and doing things. It's one of the, one of the ways you can learn alongside, you know, synthesizing, summarizing, defining all of that. Yeah. But then the project-based learning is that intentionally collaborative, intentionally planned as much as we can. This is what we want to do, having a goal. So I don't know. I, I think that might be, and I love the way that, um, you know, you talk about the exchange of learning, that learning is happening not just in the classroom or not just inside of a project, but between people and organizations and different kinds of partnerships. So can you give us uh, some examples of what these projects are, different kinds of experiences that, that um, the ARC has helped facilitate between campus and community? Sure. Um, it, it is really one of the best parts of my job that I get to work with faculty in different departments that are, um, you know, willing to fold the commu fold community learning into their course. So um, Tyler Schwend in biology teaches a class about how we extend life. And at what point is that extension, right? How do you make those decisions? Medically, we can oh, continue wow. to extend life, right? At what point 
is that a good idea? Do you, does it start getting fuzzy? Um, we paired Tyler with um, Westminster Village and the staff there, right? That helped to take care of the residents to talk about, right? As people decline or have dementia or have other assisted living needs, right? How does, how does the staff there that see this every day, what value can they bring to the discussion and the books and the readings, right? That the course was studying. So you can talk about the extension of life and, um, and what that might mean, especially from a biological perspective. But when you talk to people who've been long-term staff at a long-term care facility, what's their take on all of this? And how do we help students synthesize what they're reading and what they're hearing based on right, these two different perspectives? So um, that's, that's one way, right? Um, Brandy Reisenweber taught a writing course where um, she took her students to the Prairie Aviation Museum, which is not a common nonprofit partner for us, mm -hmm. you know, the down high, down Empire, right? Down yeah. Route 9 on your way to the airport, you're like, what? <laughs> old planes. Father <laughs> Lai, I remember, said, wow, you know you're old if a plane you flew is now part of a museum. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> um, but it's this really unique um, part of this community. And they, the students were able to interview pilots and then weave those stories into their writing, wow. which again was really interesting. And one of the pilots was actually an alum, which was another kind of you know great connection. He came back to campus and, and talked to students. But you know, we went to open cockpit day where you can roam around and look at these old planes. And we met with some of the pilots and they're like, you know, when you're, uh, when you're diving in your plane, you're going so fast that even the sweat on your face feels heavy. Um, right. <laughs> I thought, How poetic. As a writer, you think that is, you know, to hear it directly from the person who's experiencing that, yeah. I think, again, um, gives you a lot to work with. Carolyn Nadeau is a rock star in this type of work. She teaches a medical Spanish and Spanish for business. And we always meet and talk about her individual students want to explore different aspects of medical Spanish or Spanish for business and who are all the nonprofit or for-profit, you know, partners out in the community where they might be able to both benefit from a student doing a project with them so that the nonprofit walks away with something of value, but also, you know, the student does something that helps to achieve the learning goals of Carolyn's class. So right now we have a student that's interviewing um, Hispanic business owners, right? And then I talked to Thrilly Moore at the um, Chamber of Commerce and said, do you have a directory of Hispanic business owners, you know, even among your members? And he said, we do not. Do you have a student that can help us put that together? We would love it. Wow. So kind of one thing leads to another thing, leads to another thing, which I also really like about this work is kind of once you, you know, you start anywhere, it could, it could snowball in a lot of directions. Mark Lifferton is creating an app for um, providing access to help, which is really great. So it's an app design class and they're creating an app. I guess cool. you could do that conceptually, but why not do one that actually can help uh, lots and lots of people, especially sure. COVID. Like Dan Brown is taught an FYE with um, about math and measured 
co-op versus grocery store models and how food does how far does food have to go to reach consumers um, Mignon in psychology did a work with students and how individual identity and neighborhood identity tie together. And we interviewed longtime residents of the West Side. Abby Jail did um, environmental justice work on the West Side as well for her senior SEM course in environmental studies. So I think there's all these really interesting ways that different disciplines can, you know, small, large, medium, who knows how far it goes, different ways uh, to fold community work into their courses. Wow, that's incredible. And it's making me think of all the possibilities, not just for my courses. I, I used to work in the state attorney's office where we would have folks who would write pro se documents. And mm -hmm. I always wondered how writing skill impacted their case being heard in a just way. Ooh, and I, I've never had a chance to really explore that in the courses that I've taught, but that might be interesting for, you know, some rhetoricians out there in the English department to think about maybe partnering with the Prairie Legal Aid or, you know, some other community advocacy organization to teach writing, or reading and writing legal documents, because so many people can't afford, you know, to hire a lawyer, but might improve their skills a little bit and be able to do that. Absolutely. Ooh, that's interesting. See, I love that. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my whole world, right, is half an idea of what the campus can bring to the community and then wandering around the community going, <laughs> oh, I want to find a faculty member that would be willing to do that. Yeah. Um, so I just have, um, I just want to match people up with all these really interesting ideas. That's really cool. That's gorgeous. And I'm thinking too of Mark's project with the app, you know, app design is, is real. I mean, I'm not to say it wasn't, but you know, I mean, it's a, it's a very cross disciplinary sort of thing. If you have an app, you need to be able to get it to people. So that's a marketing thing. Now you've got writing, now you've got business, you know, and then actually getting out to people and sociology, making sure that the bias situation is okay. You know, um, there's a lot of issues in technology development that way. And it makes me wonder how, you know, you, you're sort of the town crier going out and, Hey, I've got a, <laughs> I've got this project. Who wants to work on this thing? Yeah. How can faculty learn more about what their colleagues are doing and maybe make some connections? Cause I think I'm guessing a lot of this happens you know, if you find out mid-semester that you might get involved in a cool project, how do we take that back a little a step further and say, you know, I want to do this. Who else can I partner with? How do, how do we find out about these projects? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I always send out a, a blast, an email blast to faculty, right? Saying, hey, what do you got cooking? Uh, we should meet. And it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to convince faculty to rewrite a syllabus that works perfectly great as it is, right? So why don't you trade a book for this kind of dynamic unwieldy thing that I don't know <laughs> how it might work exactly, but wanna try it? <laughs> uh, sometimes that can be a tough sell, um, you know, or if you're trying to establish a class, sometimes that's, that's a good fit. I don't know. So faculty have to, it's, it can be a big ask to say, do you want to try and weave something different in 
and then right the questions of all right i'm going to have all my students interview uh, longtime residents what if one of them doesn't show how do I grade that student on an assignment if it wasn't their fault that their interviewee didn't participate? Um, you know, what if my student is supposed to do volunteer hours, but they have three off-campus jobs because they're also paying for tuition and they can only, you know, how do, how do I accommodate all these things um, based in the community? Or if I'm taking my class of 20 students, who drives them? Do you drive them? I don't drive them. Um, so there's all these, there's a whole other layer of things to, to consider when you're willing to change up your syllabus. I do think it's exciting when it works and when faculty talk about their community-based work with other faculty, that seems to be uh, the greatest advertisement for ARC is students saying, that was, that was a blast, or I love that, or I learned a lot, or you know, I think conceptually I like this academic discipline, but I don't know how that works out in the world, <laughs> um, which is important for them to learn as well. So um, I'm also trying to figure how does art, how do I make it easier for faculty to say yes to that? You know, mm -hmm. um, how do I, at, at what point should I come alongside a syllabus to help design some of the assignments or what readings might be helpful or an introduction to community-based work or right what are the other ways that I can really help with the design of the course that has a community engagement component um, so that more faculty are willing to uh, give it a shot. That's great and not just 15 years in, in the arc but you know all of your different community experiences you've probably seen a lot of things and so some of the questions that seem insurmountable or that they wouldn't even think of like you said what if the interview doesn't show up how do you grade that you know you've got that expertise to say okay here are the things to think about here's what you might want to have in place here are things that are going to be okay if it if it, we don't have the answers right now and kind of ease that transition in that's great um, yeah and what kind of i'm wondering on this too what kind of support does arc offer in terms of you know because you're working with a lot of different faculty and I believe it's just you and your colleague Bevan Chobin out <laughs> of the ARC. So, you know, you're probably stretched kind of thin in doing this work, but support for things like who drives the students if they, you know, <laughs> is, it, is it mostly a matchmaking connecting sort of operation or how, how in the weeds are you in uh, doing some of this work with courses? Oh, sometimes I can be very much in the weeds. Um, you know, and sometimes if they say, you know, we have too many students, we can't get them all um, off campus quickly, or my class is only 50 minutes, we can't leave campus and then come back. Even if someone would drive a gigantic bus um, to get them to and from, maybe that doesn't make sense, right? In which case we design an opportunity that can be brought to campus perhaps, um, right? Or a guest speaker that can come here instead of us going there. Um, so, you know, once we kind of have the parameters of a course and what we're hoping to learn, we look at some of those, those logistics. Um, I don't know, maybe that's an opportunity for us to get creative in different ways. I'd love for all students to get off campus. I hate talking about the Wesleyan bubble. That makes me crazy. Yeah. Right? Oh, there's a bubble. No, there's not. There's mm -hmm. not. It doesn't have to be. Um, so, but getting, you know, how we get students off campus and making sure that that's a positive experience for the students, the faculty member, the host, 
you know, maybe the program participants that that organization works with. There's a lot of um, perspectives to to pay respect to as we're designing these events. Yeah, I think it's important for I teach um, Gateway, so I'm I'm teaching first semester first year students and the transition to you are a part of this community now yes. i think it takes a little while um, to really absorb that and so doing some of this work can help reinforce the idea that you are here now you are part of this community and i would think that for an institution that prides itself on a residential experience and you have to be here to understand what illinois wesleyan is all about that the offer of you know, you can become part of this community in a, in a substantial way where you couldn't in another institution, I think would be a major selling point. And I think there is a misconception because, and I say this because I sort of have it too, that working with ARC or doing any kind of project-based experiential learning is, you know, volunteering um, on the West side or, you know, getting involved mm -hmm. in more social justice or community activism projects, which is certainly, I'm sure, a huge part of what you do. But, you know, there are lots of different ways to be involved in a community. I'm thinking the uh, your network is your net worth, right? If, yeah. if just the promise of by doing this work, you'll get to meet people in your field, in your discipline who are yes. doing what you want to do to start building those connections that are going to lead to a career that you want. I mean, that would be, I think, very enticing for a student coming here. You know, I talk about social capital all the time. Thank you for that. Yes, all the time. And um, and when I speak to admissions, you know, when I talk about ARC to prospective students and families, part of the value of coming to Illinois Wesleyan is the social capital we offer you. And customized learning in courses is something you should expect of your Wesleyan education. And we have access to our immediate community, a broader community through alums and establishing those connections and you know, leveraging those networks is something that's gonna be meaningful to your Wesleyan experience. I, I think that's, Wesleyan is part of this community, right? Like businesses might up and move to another community, uh, an institution of higher education wouldn't do that. We wouldn't lift Illinois Wesleyan up and relocate our headquarters elsewhere. Sure. That's not something we would do. We are here. We are a part of the quality of life in this community. And we should be working together, the, the university and the community to make it better for families that live here, students that come to study here. Um, holist holistically thinking about that. How do we work together? I do find, and this is just wonderful stories, but the students that get off campus and really get involved in the community, they stay. So this is oh. a talent issue as well, wow. right? All these great young minds that come here and take their education and go off somewhere else. Sure. Um, you know, Bevan actually was one of my students and she stayed. Michael Gorman was one of my students. Um, so two of the admissions um, folks are were my students so I think when you help people invest in a community they're more likely to stay there so that's I don't know that's a, a bonus I guess <laughs> but I also think right we're teaching citizens 
we're teaching engaged citizens. So if we can help students get off campus and apply their academic lens to social problems or neighborhood opportunities, that's more asset-based, right? Mm -hmm. That um, what is the opportunity here? I want them to also be the ones that follow through, right? Someone should do something about this. Well, that someone is you. And I would hope that your Wesleyan education includes how you follow through on that type of, oh, someone should. Well, I should, I will, and I'm going to change this thing um, or get involved in this issue. I'm going to actively uh, engage with my neighborhood and make it a better place. That's what I hope we're teaching as well. Right, so how do you, if you are here for a history degree, then how are you a civically engaged historian, right? How are you using your degree to be an active citizen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have so many opportunities, organizations and places, and I'm just thinking of all, I've, I am one of those stories too. I came to Bloomington Normal to go to college and I stayed. So, yeah. and I'm just now really appreciating what our community has to offer, you know, because it's uh, again, another misconception or people assume you come here and then you're going to leave. So why, why stay and be engaged? Because it's a, it's a halfway point to somewhere else. Right. Right. But not for everyone. And mm -hmm. I, I imagine that the folks who choose to build their adult lives and careers here um, do it because of all of the ways that, you know, you can be, more actively engaged in your community. And you know, I hate to say small fish was a big, big fish in a small pond. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to make those connections and really have an impact um, in ways that you would be able to before and, or, or elsewhere. And if students can start to get those experiences early, you know, it might not take them the 18 years that it took me to, <laughs> to really settle in. So I think right. that's great. You know, uh, so the six degrees of um, separation, right? The six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, I think in Bloomington Normal, it's two degrees, right? That if um, a student or a, or a professor had a, a dream project that they wanted to work on, even if it wasn't on my to-do, my list of bubbling up ideas, I, how many calls would it take to try and find someone that would be a taker on that? It sure. wouldn't take very much. And I'm, I moved here from Chicago and this community felt very small to me. Mm -hmm. um, but now I think it's kind of magically small because you can create these opportunities uh, a little more easily. You know, that you, we had a student that was a native Spanish speaker and was on the pre-vet track. And she had very limited time. She had to do a ton of hours um, to apply to veterinary school. and. She needed a lot of hours really fast. Mm. She also had a crazy limited schedule. So I, um, I knew someone that was on the board of Miller Park Zoo and we created an opportunity for her to do these critter talks, but in Spanish, which oh, wow. they weren't able, right. They weren't able to offer. It's not like it was on their, we need volunteers to offer critter talks in Spanish. Yeah. Why would they list that? They wouldn't, but I called the guy I knew who was on the board and I said, hey, you ever have critter talks in Spanish? Do you need <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Wow. Oh no, that sounds cool. Maybe we should do that. So, right, that's the kind of thing that is possible here um, because things are not from drop down menus. Things can mm -hmm. happen that, uh, you know, we just need to, we need to invent them. And yeah. I, I find that really exciting, but it's because there's so many connections available to us and we can all flex our social capital a little bit that that, that bends towards these really meaningful, challenging, unique opportunities for students and faculty to kind of get out there. Wow. I had, I had a student, if I can tell you one more story. Of I had course, a please. Who was um, fluent in Portuguese. And she wanted to, she didn't have a car, so she couldn't go anywhere, but she wanted to only do something that would really change the world. That was her like. Wow. <laughs> How ambitious, I love it. Uh, yeah, and I was like, all right. She's like, I'm ready. I wanna do something like big. So I talked to someone in Rotary and she translated how to dig a, a clean water well into Portuguese because there are more Rotaract clubs in Brazil than any other country in the world, but they didn't have this guide translated into Portuguese. No. So <laughs> I have chills. I know. It's so what a exciting. story. It was so crazy. So, um, right. I'm like, wow. All right. So you have all, well, being fluent in Portuguese was one of her many, many talents. And she was a rock star. But I thought, all right, how do I take this really unique thing that she can offer this community uh, with what her big dreams are? But how do I make a local connection for her that can do 160 hours and fulfill the academic requirements for the independent study? And I don't even remember anymore. So, um, right, I called a couple people and we thought, well, I don't know, maybe she could do this thing. And she ended up translating the guide and recording a video so that Rotaract clubs in Brazil could now dig clean water wells. Um, yeah, isn't that great? Amazing. So, All right I, here in Bloomington Normal. <laughs> she, never had a car. she never left campus. So um, just really cool things like that are, are possible. Amazing. I'm just in so, awe of all so fun, this. right? It's so fun. People are like, I love your job. You have the best job. I'm like, yeah, I do. <laughs> yes, I do have the best job. I, I can just imagine all of the, you know, it's, it's a, it is a dream job because you deal with dreams every day. You know, what if we, <laughs> can we, how do we, and that innovation that seems a little bit stifled these days. Um, but it's still possible and and you have to ask the question first could i how do i what would it be like if and some of that can come from students but some of that can come from faculty and it seems to me that you know if any other faculty are out there inspired to do project-based and experiential learning with arc that it would just be a question of reaching out and saying hey even like your example of i'd like to replace this book or this reading with some kind of experience. It doesn't have to be a big full semester. We're going to be off-site and doing all kinds of manual labor, but, you know, what's one way that we can start to make those connections for students and start to embed them in the community in which they already live? Is that is that true? They just reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Send you an email. We'll start yeah. making some community love connections. Absolutely. <laughs> 
know, I used to say I'm like match.com. Then I thought, I don't know anything about match.com. That might be terrible. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe Mark's app class can do something like, you know, so if you, if you're interested in this project, swipe left, right say you're interested that sort of thing or maybe easy ways to share like maybe i'm not going to be you know involved in app development but i want to tell all my friends on facebook so i can do a quick share and get the word out i don't know we got yeah we we have blue sky dreams so let's talk let's do a little bit of that right now deborah what is a project that is on your bucket list or it's just something that you would really love to see happen as a collaboration with arc yeah well the list is long um but one of the things i'd really love to do is see to design something really interdisciplinary because i i think too that you know wesleyan students are are good at lots of things and i like having students from different disciplines all kind of triangulating around the same problem or opportunity Right, I like to see them apply their discipline and how they um, bounce off of each other, right? How they all share, well, this is how I see it. This is how, these are the questions I would ask and how they might ask different questions. So I would love to do a May term class where I have one math student and one English student and one history student and one art student. And I don't know how many different students, but a whole group of students. You know, and we would do some neighborhood revitalization work probably over on the west side with the West Bloomington Revitalization Project where I'm still very involved. And maybe we would tackle, you know, one issue within that community or maybe it would be tied to even just a specific block, right? Like we would take something really broad and then bring it down to just the 700 block of West Jefferson, right? what stories do we hear here here in this place? What um, what things can we do with this empty lot, right? Mm. That we would give them, we would allow them to just really come up with their own design. Um, I think that would be really exciting to see students work across disciplines in that way to make the most of a community opportunity. It would be a very sketchy syllabus, I'm sure. Uh, Maybe they would have to write their own syllabus. I heard Gavin talk about create your own adventure. And I was like, every class I teach is create your own adventure. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But it could be really fun, you know, to think about how do we um, bridge across um, disciplines to build bridges from the campus to the community. Mm. That could be really fun. Maybe yeah, I love that project and I love how it speaks to, you know, the the small scale or the small, you know, you can have one block and Mm -hmm. have an impact. It it doesn't have to be the entire West side or the entire town or the entire city. Um, But really, you know, I'm even thinking now of like Constitution Trail, taking a section of it and, you know, doing a a little cleanup, doing a little plant life, a little people watching, a little storytelling. I mean, what a what a slice of life in these places that we have. Yeah, when I teach the action research seminar, you know, we go directly out into communities and um, like you are not allowed to work on a project unless it was told to you by someone in the neighborhood, right? So you don't get to say, this is my idea and this is how I think it will make your space better. 
right? The rule is you have to go into the community and say, right, what is your vision and how can my class bring value, right? So when it starts there, it changes, it changes everything really, um, right? That your idea has to come from the community. We don't go out and fix people. What's broken here and how can I fix it for you, yeah. right? The idea is what is your vision and how can we bring value? So getting students out into the community helps to ask and answer that question and it gives them a sense of place as they're thinking critically about what needs to happen next. And, you know, we're, um, so I, I have my students read uh, case studies from Strong Towns and that whole idea is what, um, what's, the, what, what's the next best thing to do? We'll do it right now. Like don't, don't try and plan too far out in advance, but just take care of that thing right now. And then do the next thing you should do, do it right now. So I kind of like that model of what what can we do today? Well, let's do it. Let's get it done. Amazing. And I love I love that framing of the question and, and how you approach communities and organizations because there's certainly an ethics there of you know not <laughs> of of privilege, even the privilege of higher education to yeah. go into any community and go, how can I fix it? But also pushing back on, on that assumption that to go into a community means there's something to be fixed. Right. And I think even the critter talks is a, is a great example of that. It's like, there's nothing broken about this program. It's just, it can be enhanced by a new idea or as I think we all understand, especially nonprofits are so stretched for time and money that even if some of these ideas were present, there's there's not enough, not enough resources to make them all happen. So having right. a little help in that can can really enhance and uncover. Um, I love that. I'm just thinking about that block project. And when you go in and say, what's what's the story here? What's 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 this about? How can we bring value? I love, love, love that yeah. question. We like playing this game called good, better, best, right? Like, okay, a garden would be good, but how can we, what, what can we layer on top of that that would make it even better, mm -hmm. right? So who are the gardeners? Are we growing food? Are we growing flowers? Are we growing herbs? And where do those go? And how are people coming together? And what else could you do in your garden? And mm -hmm. right, so these this idea of good, better, best and how it um, snowballs, right? If we just take everyone's talents and strengths and layer it onto this base of good, it naturally becomes better, better and better. And um, then everyone also feels like their talent has a place, can help be a part of building this great thing bigger than themselves. And there, right, we all get to be celebrated. We all celebrate, we all get to be celebrated as we do this work. And so much of that relies on the questions when you said earlier that different uh, students from different disciplines will ask different questions because that's where they're oriented. That's what they're thinking of. And it, it brings up so many different possibilities and that leadership that, that happens uh, that our students show us isn't necessarily, you know, president of student Senate, no, no, you know, offense to our residents of student Senate, Absolutely. but that's not the only way to lead. And maybe in some of these, um, these classes where you're doing some project-based learning or experiential learning, there are different ways to engage that would not be possible for those students in traditional classroom activities. So giving yeah. everyone an opportunity to participate, you know, according to their strengths is just phenomenal. 
And right. I'm so excited for all the faculty who are listening to this episode to <laughs> flood your inbox with inquiry for fall. That would because be a wonderful problem to have. <laughs> oh, too many faculty <laughs> community engagement. So we're recording this episode and near the tail end of uh, spring semester. It, would this be the right time to reach out? Is there ever a bad time to reach out to ARC for some help in this? And can you just recap for everyone again, um, how to get in touch? What's the process? Yeah, so um, anytime's a great time. Um, this is now, if you were planning ahead to fall or next spring or even next May term, um, we could certainly start now, right? We could kind of take a look at the syllabus, you know, brainstorm what would be the ideal project for an individual student or groups of students, how big of a chunk of the course is this gonna be, how much time is gonna be involved, how much time does that faculty member have, what type of, you know, how do we, what should that look like for the course? And that gives me some time to then think about who would be the right partner and talk to them, set up meetings between the faculty member and the on-host, um, the on-site host to talk about what this would look like and how do we bring these, these two organizations, right? The class and the, the nonprofit probably host together. Uh, what are our mutually agreed upon goals? How's this gonna look and work? Um, and that can take a little bit of time. It's not always automatic, you know? So if we have some lead time, that's really, great that's a bonus uh, for me to be able to help um, do a little bit of planning there that helps everybody excellent but if you're like me a person who says at the last minute i have this great idea <laughs> it's not impossible to work with no. arc it might just change the scope of what is possible during that time yeah yeah, yeah, you know, and I just want to, um, you know, I, I'm a strong advocate for our faculty members, of course, you know, and what our, and our students, of course, and what they need to achieve and learn. But I'm also a strong advocate for the people who host our students, right, that I can't suddenly call someone and say, hey, can, can you do 20 individual interviews with all of these students? That'd be great. Right. Um, like my social capital only goes so far. <laughs> uh, so I have to advocate for them as well. But amazing ideas pop up all the time. So there's never a bad time to reach out. I mean, anytime I go to any meeting, I'm always sketching in the margins, ooh, that would be really interesting. And this could be kind of cool and follow up with that person on this project. And um, I wonder where that stood. And, you know, I had a student finish phase A, maybe there's a phase B. So you know, even the project, the app that Mark Lipton is doing um, for PATH didn't start with PATH. It started with an interview with the public information officer for the Bloomington Police Department who said, wow. when I show up for calls that are definitely more mental health and community service oriented, I need a way to find a quick referral and I can't. Oh, wow. So then we called PATH and figured out an app for PATH would actually help the police to do this work a little better. So wow. yeah, things really, don't always start where we think they're going to <laughs> really buried the lead on describing that project. <laughs> no, that's incredible. And that yeah. was a student that wanted to get into urban planning and we don't offer urban planning. So we were meeting with people who could help her get some urban planning experience for when she applied to graduate school. So we were talking about community policing and what happens with 911 calls and why do people think the West Side is bad? 
So it starts in all different, yeah, it's this wonderful kind of, I don't know, all, I, so interesting ideas pop up in lots of places, but if they popped up in my inbox, I'd be super excited. <laughs> Fantastic. And that's, you know, the spirit of, spirit of inquiry, right? Yes. Just ask some questions, make some connections. It's all, it's all part of the core of what we do here. It is. Wesleyan. Everyone who's listening can check out the show notes for some links to ARC's favorite projects and some information on how to get in touch with Deborah and Bevan. Thanks again, Deborah. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for listening to C-Talk. If you have any feedback for us or ideas for future episodes, let us know at ctal.iwu.edu. You can find the show notes for this and all our other episodes at iwu.edu slash ctalk.